Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the Masterclass. My name's Cam Brennan, and I am here sitting across the table from David Hogue. Sir, how are you? I'm good. I'm good in a eternal perspective with my focus on Jesus, <laughs> my, uh, my fleshly being. Oh, this just became Christian radio. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> uh, no, because I'm... I'm truly annoyed with people right now. So, yeah, that's. I'll just be honest. I'm not always a good Christian. Well, I don't think you have to be a. I don't think being annoyed with people makes you a bad Christian. Oh, it doesn't. That's I good. don't think that's, it does. That's good to know. <laughs> I mean, Jesus got annoyed with people all the time, right? Yeah, it's uh, silly things to get annoyed about, though. That's probably my my issue. I'm not a very patient person. Yeah, me either. Especially working on midnight shift. My patience much shorter. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I don't, uh, I've never worked midnight shifts. Thank God. But this is episode 27. It is. And we're it's here. good to be here. I'm glad to be yeah, here. Yeah, we weren't sure if we were going to get an episode in this week just because scheduling got real funky there. But we're squeezing one in. Yeah. Dave's got to go to work later tonight. So hopefully this will cheer him up. <laughs> or not. I don't know. I'm putting too much pressure on myself. It's going to put me in the mood to fight crime. Yes. Do you wear a sweet mask while you fight <laughs> crime? No. Ooh, you're a bold superhero. I am a bold superhero, even to the point that I put my name on my shirt so that people know exactly who I am. Superman, right? <laughs> All right. So, oh, a little bit of somewhat follow-up. I was able to get in contact with Teespring. And they replaced my shirts. Yay, Teespring, or, good job. Or they said they were going to. Oh, you don't have them yet. No, they said you should get an email in about a week that has shipping stuff for uh, your tracking for your uh, new shirts. And I realized that I turned off email alerts on my phone. So I'm checking my email right now. This is live feedback. It does not seem, hmm, this is really bad. Yeah, I have not received a uh, email yet that has tracking on it. So theoretically, they solved my problem. But if your T-shirts came and they were a little bit off, get in contact with them, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. But anyhow, they solved my problem relatively quickly, at least on the chat. So I'm that makes me happy when, when good customer service yep. wins the day. Absolutely, this is a really weird start to a show. <laughs> yeah, I, we I kind of think we expected that today, though. Yeah, we're both kind of for different reasons. <laughs> I'm all jazzed because the iPhone event was like a few hours ago, and I got nothing but Apple TV on the brain right now. And and Dave is annoyed with people, so this is <laughs> this is bound to be interesting. <laughs> but also. Wanted to mention before we get started um, that we still have that survey. Uh, there'll be a link at the very top of the show notes. We'll probably have it up for a few more weeks just to get a few more responses. But essentially the survey um, is there to help us get a better idea of who our listeners are and what you guys and gals are all about so that we can hopefully begin to transform just we want to make the show better and if we know you know stuff about you not in a creepy way although some of those questions are pretty 
personal. So you don't have to answer all of them, but <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just trying to get to know you. How can, what is it? Help me so I can help. How does that? I'm not sure. <sighs> help me help you. That's what it is. Help me to help you. Right. Help me help you. <laughs> is that from Seinfeld? I don't know. Man, this is. Okay. Dave's mocking me now. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways. Oh, that was really loud. <laughs> we're totally off our game today, but we're just going to power through it. So bear with us. Go team masterclass. We got it. Yes. Dave, how about we just get right into the Bible because that's more smart than we are today. Sounds good. All right. So we're at Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And it says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was, he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? This is a uh, that's a pretty familiar text to me, I feel like. I would agree. Um, Taylor University, where I went to college. Uh, or to university, as it were. Uh, they have a thing called the Youth Conference every year. Um, and so it's like a, a week a weekend. Uh, high school students show up on Friday and leave on Sunday. And they stay in the dorms, which is really cool. And then there's the whole weekend. It's just a, a conference geared around sharing the gospel with um, high schoolers. And one of the years the theme was Encounter and... Uh, this last verse was kind of the theme verse, the uh, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. And so whenever I read this, I think back to that, yeah. very fond memories, and I yeah. wound up going to school there because of youth conference. So, Very cool. We'll put a link in the show notes to what youth conference is up to nowadays. Who knows, Dave? Maybe maybe one year we can do a live podcast from... That would be cool. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> They've never asked me to come speak at chapel. It's cool. I'm not bitter about it. No big deal. <clears throat> Sorry, that was super ego-filled. I need to go whip myself or something. <laughs> but anyways, I think we should get into the questions because clearly I'm not fit to host a podcast today. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm good. All right. All right, so this is just a practical question, I think, to get the ball rolling. How in the world is he sleeping through this storm? I mean, it's to the point where the disciples are thinking, holy cow, we're going to drown, and Jesus is fast asleep. Like, is he faking it just to see what they do? Because it makes no sense that some people could be fearing for their lives and another person could just be sawing logs in the back of the boat or the front, whatever mm -hmm. it says he's sleeping. Um, I think, uh, as we mentioned last week, part of the reason why he got the boat and left the crowds after the Sermon on the Mount was because he was tired. And I think he is so exhausted that he just crashes in this boat and is getting some very good and much needed uh, sleep. Um, I think the other thing is, is uh, so yeah, so that's, that's the practical side of it. I also think there's an element of 
he is the creator of all things. And when you are the creator of all things, you tend not to worry as much about those kinds of things. And, you know, the way I think I would compare it a little bit to is that, uh, you know, when you're a little kid, you're scared to death of thunderstorms. You're up, you're in your parents' bedroom wanting somewhere (laughs) to feel safe. Um, And for me personally, in this day and age, I have found that I get some of the best sleep when there's thunderstorms going on. I love sleeping with thunder and lightning going on and there's something even calming about it. So I think there's a couple of things going on of just him being extremely tired and uh, also an element of um, it's familiar to him. It's not something completely unusual for the storm to be going on. All right. So let's move on to the next question. Uh, this is kind of a two-parter. I'll ask part one now. I'll get to part two at the very end. But why do you think the disciples ask Jesus to save them from the storm? Like what are they anticipating him to do like just to help bail water out of the boat or they, cause if we can skip ahead to the end, it does not really seem that they expect him to actually stop the storm. No, but their initial plea to him is, uh, save us. We are perishing. Like, is he a master sail sailor <laughs> and he's going to steer them out of the storm? Like, it seems like an odd request, especially when paired with their response to him actually stopping the storm. So what do you think um, they're asking Jesus here when they say that? Like, hey, man, help out or? Well, um, I think uh, if I remember correctly, a couple of the disciples are actually fishermen, aren't they? All right. So So if, if they're scared. If they're fishermen, they've lived a life, a significant part of their life. Out on the sea. They've, mm-hmm. they've experienced storms before. And I'm guessing they've probably fished through storms. They've probably, you know, rode through storms before. They've dealt with storms before. So if you've got fishermen on a boat, you know, think of, uh, uh, gosh, I can't even think of the name of it. The greatest, the great Deadliest catch. catch? Deadliest <laughs> catch, thank you. <laughs> you know, you think about deadliest catch. I mean, those guys kind of are like, you know, they're on their game when the seas start kicking up and uh, they take it very seriously and they even refer to, you know, possibly dying. And on a few episodes, I've seen people get hurt from what's going on, but there's not this sense of help us rescue us when things get heavy. So I'm thinking that this storm has reached a point where they are truly scared to death and, you know, kind of even referring to the storm, earlier there's there's those there's those kind of things that we're all used to we all have we're in our element that maybe other people are out of their element and i would think fishermen are going to be in their element on the sea and i i guess i'm i'm thinking they are literally at the point of we don't know what else to do like we're going down (laughs) and so they are just kind of um you know maybe a little bit of foxhole religion here going on of just we are calling out to anything and everything that can possibly help us. Um, and, you know, they, they've seen Jesus do some miracles, but, um, and, they, and they refer to him as Lord, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Um, but I, I, I personally get the sense that they are, they are at the end of the rope, that they have no other options, and they are just basically like, we have got to have some help, whatever form that may come. Yeah, I think um, 
It's just I've been thinking about this question all day. Hmm. Because it's like they ask for what they want, and then when they get it, and they're just kind of like, holy crap, (laughs) that just happened. And it kind of freaks them out a little bit. Um, And so I think, yeah, to a certain extent, they're probably just asking out of, we've got no other option. We we need all hands on deck, to use a boat pun. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I think also, too, like the next question I had was, what about him made them think that he could stop the storm? And you mentioned he's done other miracles and... um, you know, I've, I'm trying to think of if I ever been in a near death situation. I've had a few close calls, but no more than most people, I would think. Um, and they were all too quick for me to be like, oh, hey, can you help? <laughs> like there was one time I was roller skating home from the pet shop because, you know, it was the 90s and you just <laughs> rollerbladed everywhere back then. Um, and we were crossing a really busy street and. I wasn't paying attention. There's a boulevard in the middle, as there are a lot of in where I grew up in Michigan, like a big, like 12 foot boulevard with trees and grass and real pretty. And we were going across that and I wasn't paying attention. And my friend stuck his hand out and stopped me. And right as that happened, a car flew by at like 40 miles an hour. I'd have been done. I was like nine. Oh, gosh. Or maybe even 12. But even then, I mean, 12 year old on roller skates versus 40 mile an hour car. Yeah. Game over. Exactly. You know? um, so I didn't really have the option to be like, hey, friend, save me. I was too dumb to figure out what was going on. I was just, you know, I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. But so I, I've never been in a situation where like imminent doom or I'm staring at, at, at imminent doom and there's just a dude sleeping like that mm-hmm. to me doesn't. I don't know how that would work. And so I think in a roundabout way to get back to what I originally meant to say here is that, yeah, I think there's a certain part of him that, like, hey, he's done crazy stuff before. Maybe he can get us out. Like you said, we're just, we're at the end of our rope. We need to figure something out. Um, But I can't help but wonder, like, did Jesus put them in this situation purposefully, and did they maybe know it, even though they responded the way they did at the end? Like, they were were making for the sea. We knew that last uh, last episode. They got stopped by a few people, and then Jesus pushed on anyways. And my guess is it says that a storm quickly arose, but even storms that quickly arise, you can still tell they're coming. Right, especially when you're out at sea. Especially when you're a fisherman. You know what to look for in the sky to know if if it's safe or if you should just wait the storm out. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is probably Jesus is pushing them, no, we need to get to the other side. We need to get to the other side. Trust me, we need to get to the other side. It'll be fine. And so part of me wonders, is Jesus setting them up to test them? And do they maybe know? And they're kind of like, okay, do your thing. Like, mm-hmm. we get it, wake right. up. And so I just, I don't really know where to fall on that and how much of that is speculation. And I, you know, I, I definitely think there's an element of God knew that this was going to happen. And he allowed them to experience that because... I, I just think personally of, of, of my life and quote-unquote storms that have come. And I, I know my natural tendency is to be like, I'm going to row harder. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to do what I need to do to get through this. And it just seems like there's that element of you, you push on as hard as you can, and then you reach a point where you're like, I can't do anymore. I need you, God. And I certainly think that that was going on uh, in this case. All right, so if we continue on in the passage, once they wake Jesus up, 
uh, and they ask him to save them. He says, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. And this seems like kind of um, mean. Like, why shouldn't they be afraid? We've already established that they're fishermen, they're experienced, they understand the risks and dangers of being out on the open water. And it's gotten to a point where those seasoned fishermen are scared for their lives. So why, why does he call them out for being afraid? And why is fear in the presence of potential death a show of little faith? This, this kind of confuses me a little bit. I, uh, again, as we do this podcast, I am wrestling with a lot of the things that we bring up. And one of the things that I am continually wondering about or questioning about is this whole idea of anxiety and fear. Um, as, as we, you know, touched on this earlier in an earlier podcast, it's fascinating to me how much fear is a part of our lives. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that fear is a sin and that um, fear is from the enemy, that it is from Satan, and that really there, as you look at the Bible as a whole, the people that are kind of held up as the heroes of the faith, what is it to me, what is it that they're overcoming? In many instances, they're overcoming fear. They're overcoming things that should cause them uh, to not be able to do what it is that they want to do. Uh, I think the term that we would label that in our day and age is courage. You do, <laughs> you do what uh, you don't want to do. You, you overcome your fear and, uh, it's not that you're not afraid, but that you overcome that fear. And so, um, yes, his his response to them seems harsh to me because I think any human being given in this situation uh, would be afraid and should rightfully be afraid. Um, but ultimately, um, he does not want us to be afraid, even in the most extreme situations to put our trust in him. And the only thing that I, that I can find that we're supposed to fear when it comes to the Bible is God himself. We are not supposed to fear anything else. And so, um, while it seems like a, it seems like a harsh, uh, response, I think that is very much how God responds to us when it comes to fear is you have no faith. The only thing you should be afraid of is God and nothing else. Hmm. Hmm. You're making me think, Dave. Because this will be the other thing that I'll even tell you that I'm trying to figure out or grasp my brain around is what's our, what's our natural response to fear? It's fight or flight. That's what we say is we either fight or we, we fight. And just about anybody, um, in the world today, when you discuss fight or flight, they talk about it being part of the evolutionary process. That when we were living in caves and we had to deal with saber-toothed tigers, we would either fight the days. or flight. Yes, and um, I'm beginning to believe that um, fear is a good thing in some levels. It's how we respond to that fear, and. Uh, I think that's more what he's addressing here is how they are responding to that fear. Um, well, wouldn't wouldn't you expect? 
I mean, wouldn't it be appropriate to respond to fear to go to God and say, holy cow, help me? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they went to the right guy. Sure. Now, and so it's kind of like, why are Yeah, you it's kind of like, well, uh, you're, you're kind of screwed if you do and screwed <laughs> if you don't, right? Like, that's, that's kind of what I don't understand about it is like, they're scared for their lives. They know they're starting to understand who Jesus is, kind of. They're not quite there yet. But they're, they've seen enough in him to realize that he's different. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the one guy that they think can help, and he's just kind of like, why are you afraid? You, right. you, you have such little faith, which I feel like is such a weird thing to say nowadays that we don't quite understand kind of what he's saying there. Like, I almost kind of feel be like, buck up, like you're going to be fine, kind of a stop being a wuss. I don't think it's that um, derogatory, but I think that he's pretty much calling him out. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It's just, maybe it's just, yeah, like my upbringing, like it's natural to be afraid for your life. And I wonder if part of that is, you know, God has such an eternal viewpoint on stuff that like death for us is not so much of a big deal for him. Mm-hmm. And that may offend some people. Right. Um, but because he knows what is waiting for us on the, on the other side, he's kind of like, why are you afraid? You might die. So what? You're not, that's not the end. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, is there, is there validity and, um, truth to the whole fight or flight thing? Yeah, I think so, sure. Because people were trying to avoid saber-toothed tigers, which, you know, is advisable. If you see a saber-toothed tiger, you should probably, you know, hide. Um, But I think when it comes to God's perspective of what life is and what it's about and and who's really in charge, he sees us being afraid, and it's just like, seriously? Do you not understand what I've done for you and what is waiting for you? Um, but I don't know, even earlier I was reading, um, in a book cause that's where you read his books apparently. Um, and he was talking about, um, the atheistic philosophers from the, um, 1800s, like, uh, Freud and Nietzsche and, and, and a bunch of other ones and, um, kind of the, the enlightenment that, their generation grew out of and I mean they grew up in a in a time where God was dead because oh it's the theory was that um stuff comes from nothing all the time it's just part of how how the universe works is that stuff just shows up which I think is ridiculous because I've never seen anything just show up but I've also never really seen God make stuff except for babies and mountains and trees and animals. But anyways, um, where was I going with that? I got sidetracked now. Um, oh, geez, Dave, tell him a joke. <laughs> well, uh, one of the verses that I came across when I was thinking about this was Hebrews 13, verse 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And Again, I think there's that underlying, uh, yes, fear is a human emotion, but ultimately, what is it that you are afraid of? 
Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid of sickness? Are you afraid of injury? Or are you afraid of where your soul is going to spend eternity? And I think that's ultimately what that, I think he is saying there is, why are you afraid of the physical world? Why are you afraid of uh, man um, who can harm your body? You should be afraid of God who can throw your very soul into hell. And uh, so I think that's where this is coming from. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I'm not ever afraid or that I've, I've overcome this there that I've completely conquered fear. But as I, as I look at, again, the heroes of the faith, ultimately um, they stand up to their fear or they, they, they don't, they, they don't let their fear keep them from doing what they need to do. And again, uh, we've talked before about David and Goliath and how that has become a story for us of the little guy defeating the big guy. When I think the core principle to that is that here was a man that so was upset with God's name being dragged through the mud and just made a mockery of that he stood up and was like, no, you can't do that. You can't speak against my God. And it was about God's honor. It was about God's glory. It wasn't about David's fear. It wasn't about, um, over, you know, little guy overcoming the big guy. It was, I know what I should do in this moment and I'm going to do it. And again, I think about all of us. Why is it that I don't share my faith with other people? It's because I'm afraid. Uh, why is it that I don't stand up for principles that I know are central to who God is and what he would have me do? I don't do it because I'm afraid. Um, and I uh, am really just fear and sin are so linked to each other and in and, and how we respond. So, um yeah, it's just interesting as we sit here and do this because I am not claiming to have the answers. I'm not claiming to say I have this figured out, uh, but I'm being challenged in my faith and what God is 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 asking of me. Um, you know, we we referred to Dietrich Bonhoeffer last week and the cost of discipleship, and um, the people who were there when Dietrich Bonhoeffer he basically preached his last sermon, and as he's finishing his sermons, when they came to get him. And he, he basically looked at everybody and was like, well, this is it. Um, I'll see you all later. I'm kind of heading off to the next phase. And it was, there wasn't this fear in him of, of dying. It was a very much of, all right, this is the moment that I've been living for and I'm heading on and uh, I'll see you all in eternity. And I can't say that right now in my life, if that moment were to come, that I would be as, that peaceful about that. But I think it speaks volume to uh, somebody who had lived a life rooted in Christ, seeking him. His foundation was him. His foundation was not this world. It was not things. It was God. And so he had that peace in that moment when it came uh, for his life to be called for. Yeah, I think um, I think maybe the reason that I've been thinking about this all day is like, to me, it's, yeah, it's do I... Do I have those moments of doubt? 
mm-hmm. or and and part of what I was trying to get at earlier before I totally lost my train of thought about like those those atheistic philosophers and they were talking about how you know God is a crutch because you know we can't deal with the natural forces in the world so we have to uh, personalize them and make them you know human and so oh that becomes a god and then from that and that's how they explained why pretty much every culture ever has a religious system from the beginning of time on because we just can't handle the harsh realities of the world um, without putting a face on them. Um, And so to me it was just, is my fear of, you know, dying or or heights or, because I don't do ladders, man. I just don't. I don't trust them. I don't. Rock climbing equipment, don't trust it. Really, a carabiner is going to keep me up? Nope. I'm just going to stay on the ground. Like, I'm good. Um, is how much of that fear is it's around self-preservation, right? Mm-hmm. Especially for me. Not that, like, I do anything, you know, dangerous. But I think for me, the the fear comes from my doubt of what if I'm wrong? Sure. Oh, what yeah. if this whole thing is an absolute crock? And I've been drinking the Kool-Aid my whole life and push comes to shove and I die and that's it. Well, then you won't know any better, so. Well, true, <laughs> but I will prevent myself from enjoying, you know, the, the things the earth has to provide for me. Right. And so I really think, you know, um, when Jesus is asking, why are you afraid, you little faith? Like it's, it's starting to make sense to me now and that like because he understands the eternality of this whole thing, a little storm in the sea, no matter how scary it is, doesn't really matter. Cause if you die, guess what? You get to go somewhere better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, that big struggle is do is my doubt. How do I say this in the, in the pressure moment where I'm, you know, heaven forbid, I'm, you know, fearing for my life that I might die what is going to come out of me fear that I've been wrong this whole time or trust that even if I do die, it's going to be all right because what the Bible says is true. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, initially it still seems harsh and I'm sure Jesus could have found other words to use, but I don't think he sinned in, in calling them out at all but I really think it was a genuine, like, do you guys not understand yet what is going on? Have you not seen enough and been with me long enough to understand that even if we were all to drown right now, this is not the end, and Mm -hmm. it would still be okay that you all died today. Right. It would still be okay. Um, And that's just something that is very... uh, trying for me to think about because I tend to think I'm pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've got a wife and, and, and friends and family and, and, and a job to do and, and all this stuff. And Dave, I've got a podcast. I'm really important. It's even on iTunes. Um, but that self-preservation is really is an outworking of my own I think misguided self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really tough um, process to work through and realizing like, I'm really not that important. 
um, I'm really not like God doesn't need me. Mm-hmm. God will use me um, for his purposes and God loves me and God made me uniquely me, but that does not make me, God does not need me to do anything for his own right. glory. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out as well how that doesn't just become kind of like existential in the sense that like, well, God doesn't need me. So I'm just going to kind of just exist. Yeah. Versus, yeah, God doesn't need me, but he still chose to make me the way that I am in the place that I am to the people that I'm around. And I still have the uh, opportunity to glorify him. Um, and enjoy the life that he's given me. And so there's like this, to me, this this dichotomy of my life really isn't that important in the grand scheme of things in and of itself, but God can still use that insignificant mm-hmm. life to do some pretty cool things if he wants to and if I present myself to him as a tool. And so that's just a very unmodern or un-American way, I think, to view life. Mm-hmm. And that it really isn't about us, and it really isn't in our control, and really we're not that special. No. No, because, I mean, Jesus was crucified in his early 30s, and he was pretty important. Dave, I turn 29 next week. That's not what I wanted to hear. Yeah, well, I've outlived him by <laughs> at least a decade. So, yeah, so, you know, there is that element of I do think we think we're more important than we really are. And um, if you look at um, if you look at the people in the Bible again, uh, many of the followers of Jesus were killed for their faith. I mean, that was more common than not for the people that were closest to him. Um, people in the Old Testament had plenty of challenges. Um, is it what is it Jeremiah twenty nine that people tend to quote when you graduate from high school and college? These are the plans that I have for you to prosper you. And uh, why did you bring that up? Well, because I think you need to read the rest of that verse. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> good. Why. I was about to like now, Dave. Now <laughs> here we go. <laughs> We're not going to get in a bumper sticker Christianity because I'm just going to get angry. No, and that is my point: is you can't pluck that verse out and just go, oh, his plans are to prosper me. Well, you know what? He was speaking to a very specific group of people when he said that. And if you look at what their lives were like after they heard that, it was a while before they were actually prospered. Again, it's with an eternal eye and eternal perspective. And we seem to think that, oh, God's going to prosper me. He's going to bless me. I graduated, got my college degree. He's got the job for me. He's got the family for me. He's going to make me happy and that is just not a promise that, that he gives us. Uh, and so, yeah, we need to be careful with uh, picking out single verses and making them apply to our personal selves when that's never what the intent was. See, now I'm searching for like a really abused verse. and Oh, yes. Wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> and we're just going to ignore everything else that chapter says. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not important. 
and that's and and boy, aren't we good at that in modern day Christianity? At um, it's, one picking the, it's one of the few things we are good at, Dave. <laughs> Sorry, that was a low blow. Sure. Well, but <laughs> but it's true, and it, you know, I think you and I claim it as much as the next guy. It's not. I don't think we're. Point no, whatever. I'm, I'm so much better than everyone else, Dave. Are you? No, oh God, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> For the record, that was a joke. I was being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question. <laughs> okay, so we we mentioned this earlier, but I feel like we should probably discuss it before we end today. Okay, why did the disciples ask Jesus to save them from the storm and then react like they did? So this is this is more like based on their reaction. Why why do you think they reacted? the way they did when they said, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Cause they were like, Hey, save us. And then he did. And they were like, uh, what? Yeah. Um, I, again, I, 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 I think there's some layers to this. I think, uh, the idea of somebody being healed, um, is not totally, uh, you know, even though it's a miracle, and they're seeing people be made whole from a disease. Um, that's not totally unfamiliar to us in terms of, okay, people get better. You know, the human body is wired uh, to heal itself and to get better. And there's kind of maybe an element of, yeah, Jesus is doing all this healing. And, well, he's just speeding up the natural process of what would would happen here. And I uh, believe that in that day there were magicians. There were, were people that were good at sleight of hand that could make sort of, um, they could do things that it's like, oh, that seems like a miracle happened, but it was just sleight of hand. It was a misdirection of, of people's focus. It's, you know, uh, not really a miracle. When you calm a storm, you can't fake that. And I'm not saying that they were thinking he was faking the healings or anything, but here is a very concrete, like, these waves have calmed, the sky has cleared. There is, you know, you are now... Um, dealing with, to me, a different kind of, of miracle in that I'm guessing they hadn't ever seen anything even remotely like that before. Um, and I'm not trying to trivialize healings and things like that that Jesus was doing, uh, but I do think it's a it's taken to a whole new level. I also think there's just an element of, I was just believing that my I was on the verge of death, and now that has been completely removed. And I think even if you're expecting the miracle, even if you're expecting it to happen, I think when it happens, you're kind of like, oh, wow, that was like, I can't yeah, believe that just happened. A bit happened. of a rush, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, um, I, I think it's just the reality of human nature. Here we are calling out for a miracle, and then we get it, and it's just like we're shocked. Wow. And then, um, again, they attribute to who is this man? you know, that the nature obeys him, the winds and the waves. And, uh, so I think, I think there's a, there's one more piece kind of clicking for the the disciples of going, okay, Jesus really is who he says he is. And, um, you know, that's a pretty cool thing to, to be, you know, the process of following Jesus and being his disciple and, going, I used to believe this, now I believe that, and this is becoming clearer to me, and I've experienced this, and it's real. And so, yeah, human nature is, I think, just just part of that, too. You know, why did it take Thomas sticking his finger in the Jesus' wounds to, to so be gross. convinced? So, 
I think the smell would have been good enough for me. Uh, I had one more question, but I kind of feel like we've already answered it. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't really sure where this discussion was going to go. So I asked, uh, does the story have, uh, does the story mean anything for us today? I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up on the water. I sailed a whole lot growing up. I knew never to go out when it was stormy. Yeah, that's you know, true. Especially with a, you know, like a 44 foot sailboat. Mast is pretty tall and made out of metal. So you just, you don't want to be out there on the <laughs> lake when there's a storm because yeah. you might get fried. Um, and so I was kind of thinking of this from that perspective, um, which was dumb. I don't think. Well, but I think I think our discussion has has opened my eyes to other areas that this passage is talking about, such as fear and importance of life and um, trust and um, the eternal perspective that God requires us to have, which I don't really think we're able to have, which also seems kind of mean spirited. But well, and that's I, I think implicit in 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 that too is, um, you know. I think some of these things that we say that we shouldn't have are the very tools that he uses to draw us to him. That's so mean. So again, there's just that that element of, well, of course you're going to be fearful. You're a human being. Of course you're going to respond with flight or flight. Of course this is a normal reaction. But ultimately, why do it, why does it happen? Because you need to be focused on me and not your circumstances. You need to be focused on me. Um, you know, I think the question that I would would ask, and maybe it's a bit rhetorical too, is, is does God intentionally lead us into storms? You know, does he intentionally take us to those places where uh, we feel like we can handle things on our own and then the storm just gets so big that we cry out to him and ask for his, his help? Was that rhetorical, Dave? I think so. Oh, okay. Unless you have an answer. I was going to say <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, that seems to be a pretty simple answer. Yeah. I don't know. There's like that whole book in the Bible called Job that, you know, mm-hmm. may or may not be applicable in that situation. Right. Um, and yeah. so so why should we be surprised when there are storms in our lives? And because God wants my life to be easy, Dave. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. Don't you listen to the radio? I don't. Yeah. I try to avoid. I listen to music or my books on tape. <laughs> it's not even books on tape anymore. No, I'm digital books. Age. Audio books. Audio books. All right. Well, I hope that <laughs> that was. That was a podcast. <laughs> you know, something. That's what it was. That's for sure. We talked into microphones. I don't know if it was helpful or not. I don't know. I'm still, my, my mind is still trying to wrap itself around the, hey, you're not that important. That's, you know. Oh, soapbox, yes. Okay. Uh, I find it very interesting that modern technology, and I'm thinking specifically of like social media and television is so intent on trying to make everybody feel like they can be famous and that our culture really honors fame more than anything else. Not necessarily talent, not necessarily intelligence, not necessarily even good looks, but just fame. Mm-hmm. All, all of those things are, you know, applauded and enjoyed, but fame 
especially within the last 20 years with this onset of reality television and everyone getting their you know, American Idol and, you know, keeping with the Kardashians and Real Housewives and cops and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, just this, this pressure cooker to be famous um, and that we are important and that we matter and that we get that um, feeling um, supported from or by other people to tell us that we're important and how many Twitter followers we have and how many likes we have on Facebook or whatever the case may be, what your clout score is. Oh yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. It, it, it's an aggregator. If I'm correct, it's an aggregator of all your social media stuff. And based on how many followers you have and likes you have and how many people are talking about you online, your clout score goes up, which means you're a more important person. Not no. So I just, th- this, this specific discussion we had today to me flies totally in the face of what our culture is preaching about being important. You know, Jesus is saying, why are you afraid to die here? Mm-hmm. It's inconsequential if you do or not, because in the grand scheme of things, the story's already over. It's accomplished. Right. Yeah. Whereas today it's just like, you know, get your 15 minutes of fame or, you know, whatever. Um, get a lot of views on YouTube. Like, have you seen some of these videos on YouTube that are just people doing the most stupid stuff? Like, there's this one video called Where's the Chapstick that one of my coworkers at the bank showed me. It's got, like, millions of views, and it's this girl singing this stupid song about where her chapstick is. And at the end, she's like, I need to get a life or I need to get a hobby or something. And, but it's got millions of views and I guarantee you she's made hundreds, if not thousands of dollars off this stupid little two minute video. But that's her little 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. She's the chapstick girl. <laughs> and I'm not even going to link to it in the show notes. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. What a thing to be remembered for. But it's just this, this whole, this whole cultural shift to I'm important. I matter. Um, my views matter. Like we have a podcast, which means that we somehow think that we're important enough that other people are going to come listen Mm -hmm. to what we have to say. So I get the whole catch 22 of the situation right now. I'm talking into a microphone and I'm going to post this on the internet. So other people will listen to what I have to say and go, yeah, that cam guy's not so bad after all. So like I get that I'm delivering this message in a medium that would kind of contradict what I'm saying. And I, you know, I don't know how to feel about that. We're not quitting the podcast. This is fun. Um, but how do I, how do I live, you know, this day and age where the world is constantly telling me, um, how to be important and how to feel good about myself. Um, and how to know that I'm someone special when, Jesus says you're special because God made you the way that you are, but you didn't earn that specialness. And frankly, I don't need you to accomplish what I've already accomplished. I want you to enjoy me and I want to be in a relationship with you, but I don't need you. And I just, I don't know if I ever heard that growing up in the church. It was, you're so special. Oh, God yeah. made you just the way you are and you're wonderful and you're God's little treasure and you can do whatever you want, which is the worst advice ever. 
Mm-hmm. I could. I really wanted to be a pro athlete. No matter how much there's, I, I had no chance, <laughs> none whatsoever. Um, that's a whole other topic. Dave, save this because I'm just going to keep. One of the things that I was reminded of this week was the whole concept of if you had been the only person to ever live, Jesus would have still died on the cross for you. And I think that is very much a 21st century, 20th century America, um, this idea of you as an individual are so important uh, that God would have died just for you. And I get the heart behind that message, and I I think there's some truth to, um, you know, God did die for you, but you're not the focus. It's him and his his glory is why that was done. And we've we've distorted that too. And I don't know if it gets said a whole lot these days, but I just remember being in the youth group. That was one of those things that you just heard over and over again was that if you'd been the only person to live, Jesus would have died on the cross for you. And I just remember even then thinking, well, that would be weird because... You'd be the only one that's nailed him to it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be like, I'd have to do that. Uh, and, and if you were the only person that lived, that would mean that Jesus didn't. Yeah. So that's just kind of a self-defeating. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I think the heart behind it is good, but it just it breaks down pretty quickly about it is not about me as an individual. And uh, one of the things I've even tried to start doing is reading... Uh, the Bible without it being focused on, I mean, I definitely read scripture thinking it's directed straight at me and everything is a personal message to me as Dave Hogue and not this idea of, okay, there is definitely an audience here. There is definitely a, um, you know, even if there's a, uh, message for today, I think it's a much broader, uh, collective message than it is specifically for you. Now, do I think God sometimes uses scripture, uh, a single scripture to speak to us? Absolutely. But to think that during your quiet time, your meditation, that is constantly your focus. I don't believe that is healthy. And I think that's certainly where we are as, as a body of believers in this day and age of constantly thinking, oh, plans for me to prosper. He's going to work all things for my good. Yeah, that's the other one. Romans 8, 28, or 28, I don't know, what is it, 8, 28? <laughs> I don't know, it'll be in the show notes. If you haven't figured out by now, I'm not real good at memorizing scripture. It's in the brain somewhere, but I always have to look up my verses when I use them, so Cam will put them in the show notes. That I will. All right, well, I feel like we should probably <laughs> cap it there. Sounds good. Before we just start going down the list of things that annoy me. <laughs> That's uh that's not a helpful podcast, that one. Yes. That would just be me whining. There's enough of that. Yes. Going around. Anyways, you guys made it to the end of episode twenty seven. Okay. It was rough there for a little bit. Yes. But we powered through it. Uh so thank you so much for listening. Really. Uh we do appreciate your support and your feedback. Um if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that on Twitter. Uh, we are at Masterclass FM. You can get Dave at 10-8-HBO. That's T-E-N, the number 8, the letters H-B-O. And I'm at Cam Brennan. And you can find the show notes to which we just spoke of at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 27. Any final thoughts, Dave? No. Hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye. Bye.